So I just want to take a moment before we get to the series. Uh, we're starting a new series today, but I, I did want to take just a, a moment and share a little bit of an exhortation with you, uh, uh, an encouragement. This morning I was, I was just spending some time with God and preparing for this moment. And as I was, I, I remember one of the reasons why I do what I do. Um, I was so excited to be able to preach God's word. And I was excited to be able to come and we were gonna have two services and I get to stand on this platform and, and share God's word with you. And that's an honor and a privilege for me to be able to do that. But one of the reasons it's an honor and a privilege is that when I do it, is I really do connect with who God has made me to be. Like I connect with it. And it's like I'm using my gifts, my talents, the things that God's called me to do. And I'm able to, to share that with you. And, and I preach as hard as I can. And sometimes physically I'm tired when I get done. But most of the time I'm spiritually full. Get this. So you can be physically tired, but spiritually full. And, and, and the reason I share that with you is I felt like it was a word for me as a reminder of how important it is I connect with who God's made me to be because I find energy, I find life, I, found, I find a, a fuel for the journey. And I think what he wanted me to say to you today is that some of us, all of us have gifts. We have talents. We have things that God has put in us. And when we use them for his glory, we connect with something that's deeper, something more powerful than we ever would know. It's better than any five-hour energy drink. And so what I want to say to you today is, is wherever you can, begin to use your gifts. Begin to use the things God has given you, even in this hard time, even when it's kind of complicated to know how to do it. Do it. Figure it out. Because let, let me tell you what will happen, is you will connect with the source, the source, the one that has everything you need. And what will happen is, is the things that are in you that are bringing you down, the darkness, the depression, the whatever it is, the burden, it'll start to dissipate as you connect with your purpose and what God has called you to do. So I'll let you and the Holy Spirit sort that out as to whatever you do with that. I just want to encourage you to connect with that because I believe it'll help you. And for anybody that has a desire to receive that, just simply say to the Lord, Lord, I receive it. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that that would be a word for somebody. I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would begin to fill somebody's spirit today with your presence and your power. That somebody would begin to connect again with that source. That's what we need. That's what we need. And so Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are starting a, a series today called Twas. If you're wondering what twas is, it actually comes from the first word in a poem that you probably are familiar with. 
uh, called Twas the Night Before Christmas. I don't know, I suspect you've heard that poem. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've read it to your children. Maybe your grandpa read it to you. Maybe your daddy read it. I don't know, but somebody may have read it to you. You may have heard the, the famous poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. Matter of fact, it's one of the most popular poems in American uh, culture in some ways. It's, it's one of those poems that gets read often at Christmas time. It's largely responsible for, for the, the personification of what we call Santa Claus, uh, the idea of gift giving at Christmas and some of those kinds of things. And, uh, and, and, and so, so we, most of us, I assume, are pretty familiar with that story because the poem tells the story of a family sitting the night before Christmas and with this holy expectation that, that something was coming. Now, in the poem, Santa Claus is coming. Now, while I appreciate that, um, I'm a preacher. And uh, as much as I enjoy Santa Claus, I think they've got the story wrong. It was the night before Christmas, and the expectation and the holy uh, anticipation was not for Santa Claus. As I understand it, it was for Jesus, that Jesus was coming. And so there was this night before Christmas. And one of the things that it's important for us to see as we think about leading and kind of journeying towards Christmas Eve and the coming of our Savior. I wonder if you've ever thought about what the night was like before Jesus came. What was the night like before Jesus actually showed up? What, what was the world like? What was the world really like before Christ came into the world? Have you ever wondered about that? Have you ever thought about that? I think it's important that we consider it. Now, the word twas comes from two words. It was. Very complicated stuff. I guess it sounds more fancy to say twas, you know? Twas, the night before Christmas. It was the world before Jesus was born. It was the world uh, before Jesus had come into this experience. It was, a, it was a dark place. It was a difficult place. Matter of fact, the darkness was all-consuming, and the human race was in bad shape. They weren't doing so good. Uh, you ever felt that way about right now? And sometimes it feels like, man, we're, we're, we're not doing so good. Kind of in bad shape. And so, so, so as we think about this, what I want you to do is I want you to contrast two ideas. Twas the night before Christmas and what was going on there. And the result of who Jesus is and what Jesus was about and what Jesus brought into the world. And so that's where I want to spend our time today, is kind of contrasting those two ideas. I want to share something with you because I, it's important that I paint the picture of what it was, what the night looked like, the darkness that had consumed the world. It's important you understand some of that. I want to read something to you out of the Gospel of Luke. A lot of times we read the story of Jesus coming into the world, the birth narrative, so to speak, out of Luke chapter 2. Listen to this. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Now, 
We probably have heard that. We've maybe heard the story, the Christmas story, and, 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 and we know it because we've heard someone say, yeah, this Augustus guy decreed a census, and, and, and they were supposed to go to some particular place to make sure that they were registered. And you're like, it seems so benign. It's just like, yeah, census. Everybody does census. Just makes sense. Let's just do a census. But there's actually something going on in the census that is quite dark that we don't always see at first glance. And that is this, that, that, that an Israelite, a Jew, were required to go and register in their local environment. They were called to, to register to make sure they were counted. And yes, it's, of course, Rome wants to know who's all in, but it was more than that. It was the fact that it was a reminder to the Jewish people that they were owned by another person. Get this. That's pretty dark if you think about it. The Jewish people were owned by the Roman Empire and them going to register their name was another example of the oppression that they were experiencing. It was another example of the fact that they were owned by someone else. God's people, covenant people, the promised people were owned by someone else. All of that found in one verse. The darkness that had started to consume the world. The difficulty that people were experiencing. Can you imagine being a Jew? Can you imagine being from Israel and having that experience? See, see, the Israelites were in what I might call a spiritual darkness. They were in a spiritual darkness. Because see, I don't know if you know the story, but, but right before you get to the book of Matthew... Matter of fact, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Well, right before that, there's an Old Testament book. And it ends. And that ends. And there's this kind of waiting that happens. And so between that book and Matthew, you flip the page, right? So you go from the Old Testament book of Malachi and you flip the page and you go to the book of Matthew and you're like, okay, on to the New Testament. But here's the thing you got to know. That in the turn of that page, there's 400 years of time. And you know what was going on in that 400 years of time? Silence. No prophets in Israel. That's a dark place to be, isn't it? If you think about being a, a people who have heard from God, who've talked to God, who've interacted with God, and all of a sudden there's silence. I suspect that brings some spiritual darkness into the community. It was a dark time. It was the night before Christmas, and it was a dark place. Political darkness reigned. You're like, well, I can relate to that. I know about all kinds of political darkness stuff. Political darkness reigned as well. We see that in the census that Augustus sent out. Israel was, was completely fractured. You may or may not have heard some of these names, Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus was always getting after them. But see, they were part of sects and groups. In other words, that Israel had been fractured. They were fractured into different groups of people. Pharisees and Sadducees and Essenes and Zealots. And, and, and there were all these different groups that were, were happening at this time. It was a fracturing that had occurred. There was no unity of the faith. Do you see the darkness that can come from that? God was working in the middle of that darkness 
It was a dark time. See, see, Israel had been crippled by the exile they had experienced. They had been exiled multiple times for many, many years, and that had an impact on their life. Matter of fact, it was a part of their story. They had been enslaved to Egypt, and, and now they had experienced multiple exiles. And can you imagine the effect that has on you as a people? The effect that has on your psyche, on your religion, on your faith, on your ideas, on your families? I mean, it's just, it's massive. It was a dark time. There was lots of religious confusion. Now, I know I want to share this from you, so, or with you. This is, this is about Antioch. I'll get it, I promise. Antiochus IV, who came to power in 175 B.C., he decided that he would destroy the religion of the Jews and force Greek religion upon them. His forces desecrated the temple and kept the Jews from worshiping and killing many. Now, before you check out, like, oh, no, not a history lesson, stay with me. This is significant for you to get. Israel was experiencing a level of oppression that led to the desecration of their temple, the most holy and sacred place, because they were under this particular rule. It led to Jews being kept from worshiping. Come on. Can you imagine being in a situation where you were not allowed to worship freely and to do so maybe led to your death? It was a dark time. Difficult things were happening. Religious experience of confusion. And matter of fact, even more than that, there was a philosophical infection that was happening as well. Let me share this with you. Greek philosophy permeated Jewish belief and later Christian belief. Now listen to this. Idealization of the human body, especially demonstrated in art and athletics. Do we see any of that? Superstitions, paganism, materialism were part of the Greek culture. All of these things were being forced down the throat of God's people. Philosophical infection. That's what they were experiencing. Guys, it was the night before Christmas and it was a dark, dark time. It was a dark place to live. It was a dark time to live. Conflict and crisis everywhere around them. Can you relate? Can you relate to conflict and crisis all around you? We've been here before. It's been a part of the world for a very long time. It was a dark time. The Roman general Pompey arrived to, quote, make peace in 63 B.C. From the arrival of Pompey, there was Roman rule, Greek culture, fractured Judaism, corrupt priests, come on, and a few, hun a few humble people who sought the spirit as they tried to worship the one true God. That was their experience. Corruption, fractured culture. And then we read this. You're like, could it get worse? Yeah, let me share this with you. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, we read about the wise men. You heard of these guys? So the wise men show up and they talk to a guy named Herod. Herod was the leader at that time in that area. It says, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He didn't like it. 
Most leaders don't like to be outwitted. Our egos are way too big for that. He sent soldiers to kill, listen, to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Do you see it? Mass murder of children. That's what was going on. Mass murder of children. It was a very dark time. That was a difficult thing, isn't it? Here's the question I have for you. Are you experiencing a dark time? Are you experiencing darkness in your life right now? Are you dealing with things that feel overwhelming? Are you that feel like I can't keep going? Darkness maybe in your family, darkness in your marriage, darkness in a job, darkness in some kind of health situation. I don't know what your situation is, but I know this, that darkness is common to the human experience. It's something that we all kind of can relate to. We all know what it's like to struggle or have difficulties. We get it. And so that's the question I want us to wrestle with. Where's your darkness right now? Where's your darkness right now? Because here's the good news. You want to hear, you want to hear it? It's, it's, it's very simple. It's very simple. The good news is that Jesus shines in the darkness. Whatever your darkness, whatever your situation, whatever you're going through today, the Bible says that Jesus is the light. He is the light. It's not he's a reflection of the light. No, no, he is the light. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says that Jesus was with God in the very beginning. At creation. He was with God at creation. And so when God spoke light into being, Jesus was there. See, Jesus, Jesus is important to the story because, see, Jesus is the light in the middle of our darkness. And without the light, the light can't consume the darkness. But Jesus is that light, is what the Bible says. And so when we, when we come to this little baby sitting in a manger, when we think about that little baby being born, what happens is sometimes we forget that that wrapped up in the, that little baby and the potential of that little baby is, is not just a human man at some point, but it's God himself. That, that you have, we're told that it, 100% human and 100% God wrapped up in that little baby. Can, can you imagine the implications of that? 100%, 100%, 200%. That's a good percentage. Who doesn't want 200%? That, 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 that right there in this story is the potential for the darkness to flee. But the darkness that I experienced, for the darkness that was going on towards the night before Christmas, and it was dark. Jesus comes into the world and shines. Guys, it is so important you see this. So important you see this. I, I wanted to read something to you. I was reading it the other day, and I thought it was really powerful. Um, this, is, this is from John Eldridge, and, and, and he wrote this. And just, just stick with me for a second. He says, I love how 
Our wildflowers track the course of the sun through the sky, slowly turning to face the warm, passing brightness from east to west in such a sweet act of humble adoration. He's, he's describing like these little flowers on a mountain. And, and, and it's cold, you know, a lot of times on a mountain. And, and, and what, what he's saying is that these flowers, they, they, they experience the heat of the sun. And it's like they turn and they begin to reach for the sun. You see what's happening? That's, that's, that's what he's describing. He said, many flowers fold their, their petals inward coming to evening through the chilly night at 7,000 feet, then open again with the rising of the sun. They turn in its direction. Then listen to this. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee goes the great hymn of joy. Opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of, listen, immortal gladness. Fill us with the light of day. See, see that's it. That, 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 that we need the clouds of sin and sadness to melt away, don't we? We need, we need the dark of our doubts driven off like night flees before the dawn so that the giver of immortal gladness might fill us again. Isn't that good? See, that's what we need. That in the middle of our darkness, in the middle of our challenge, in the middle of, of all the things we're experiencing, we need Jesus to be the light. Because where Jesus is, no darkness can exist. Listen to this in John chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men and women. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Wow. I am so, I love that. I love that picture that, that wherever the light shines, the darkness has to flee. The darkness doesn't have the ability to overcome it. See, darkness has been overcome by the light of Jesus. See, whatever darkness I've been experiencing in my life, whatever darkness you've been experiencing in your life, whatever darkness somebody around you has been experiencing in their life, you have to understand that the darkness cannot extinguish the light. That Jesus is the light. That Jesus is the one that we run to in the middle of darkness. It was the night before Christmas and it was dark. And Jesus shines in the darkness. See? See what I'm getting at? So important we see this. Listen to this in John as we go a little bit down in, into the verses in verse 9 and 10. First, the first chapter of John. He says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was, the, he was in the world, and look at this, and the world was made through him. Remember I said that? That Jesus was with God at creation. And so right here in John, he's helping us see that Jesus was with God then. And so he is a part of the creative process. You create anything like that? See, only God could do that. That's what makes Jesus unique. It's not just a, Six-pound ball of flesh. No, no, he was much more than that. 
It was much more than that. He was the one that was bringing the light into the world. And then watch this. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So he comes into the world and nobody seems to know who he is. That in the middle of the darkness, nobody seems to be connecting the dots. See, the creation didn't know their creator is what the Bible is telling us. See, they didn't recognize the light. They didn't recognize who the light was and what the light was supposed to be and what the light was supposed to do. And I wonder in your life and in my life as we come to this holiday season, as we move towards Christmas, in the middle of our darkness, in the middle of the challenges that we're facing, are we seeing the light? Are you seeing it? There's only thing you're seeing is the darkness around you. Because see, the Bible says that they didn't recognize the light. Perhaps you're trying to do it alone. Perhaps you're trying to figure it out on your own. Because do you see it? Do you see this? Is, it's really important you get this. That no matter where I am, what I'm dealing with, the challenges that I'm facing, at any given moment, I can recognize that the light is there. See that? So whatever your situation is, whatever you're going through, you can stop and recognize that there's where the light is. There's a little glimmer, a little flicker. It may be real dark. It may be real dark around you, but there's a little flicker. It's like that little um, pilot light. There's that little pilot light. And you're like, okay, I know that there's a little flicker. And because there's a little flicker, you know you can turn that thing on. And it creates heat, creates warmth. Maybe even creates a greater fire if you have an electric fireplace. You see? So there's something about that flicker. There's something about acknowledging and recognizing that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. It's important. It's not enough to simply say, Jesus, you're the light. It, it, it takes us saying, Jesus is the light. And I see Jesus as the light in every situation I'm in. I see you, Jesus. I see you. I see you in the darkness. I see you in cancer. I see you in a health problem. I see you in a divorce. I see you in a marriage. I see you with brokenness in my family. I see it, God. I see you. And the darkness can't consume me because I have the light. Whew. Guys, that is so significant. I can't think of a better thing you need this Christmas. Forget the toys. Forget the smelly candles. Forget the new Switch game. Forget the new whatever CD. No one even uses CDs. <laughs> what you need is the light. That's what I need. That's what you need. See, Jesus' own people did not recognize him and did not receive him. Listen to this in John, a couple verses down in chapter, in verse 11. He came to his own and his own people did not, what? Receive him. But, I love that but. I do, guys. I think but is one of the greatest words in the Bible. I really do. Because it paints a contrast for you. And you know what's so great about this one? Listen. But to all who did receive him. Listen. 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God. Not born of, of flesh and blood, but, 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 but from God is what the scripture says. <laughs> so, 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 so let me explain this to you. Jesus, the light, comes into the world. And as a result of that, if you recognize him and receive him, that the light of Jesus comes into the darkness, comes into what was back when he actually showed up and what was now. Jesus comes into that and he shines a light on that. Not just that. You're like, that's good. I want some of that. It goes further. He says this. He gave the right to become children of God. If you've hung out with me very long, you've probably heard me say this, is that as a Christian, you don't have any rights. You're like, oh, get so angry. Americans get so angry at me for saying that. But see, listen, in the kingdom of God, he's Lord, I'm not. I gave over my rights. I surrendered my rights to him. Whatever he tells me to do, I do it. That's how it works. But here's the thing. I have to, I have to create just a little bit of a caveat here. A little bit of a concession. Because, see, I still believe that. But there's something being said here in John that we've got to see. Do you notice he says he gave the right to be called children of God. See, see, we, we don't have rights necessarily in the kingdom of God except the right to become a child of God. And as a result of becoming a child of God, all of the benefits that come with being a child of God are now in my life. Amen. All of the things of being a child of God, of being a son or daughter of God, of being a son of light and a daughter of light, all of those things now are in my life because of the fact that I have a right to be called a child of God. And so you have to see how important this is. That not just that you would receive him and, and, and recognize him, but that you also would understand that the implications of that on your life are massive. Massive. See, Jesus is the light in my darkness. Where is it dark today? Where are you struggling today? What are the problems and challenges you're facing? What are the problems and, uh, and challenges we're facing in our community what are, the, what are the problems and challenges you're facing in your family or wherever it is, wherever the challenges are, wherever the darkness is, the light has come into the darkness. See, when we recognize and receive him, we get to be children of God. And so here's the question I have for you. Have you received him? Have you recognized him? Are you recognizing him? Are you receiving him? Are you living as a child of the light? Are you living as a child of the darkness? It really is a choice, isn't it? It really is a choice in every moment. See, it was the night before Christmas and darkness consumed the world. Jesus brought light and the light consumed the darkness. Did you see it? So wherever the light goes... It's like if you're walking into a room with a candle, you're walking around with that candle and it's everywhere that candle goes, you see the darkness flee. You, know, you ever done that? Somebody's like, I've never done that. Well, do it. <laughs> Grab a candle and walk around in a room and watch how the darkness is like. 
It's just, it, it, it's, it's kind of moving around because the light is there. That's exactly what Jesus does in your darkness, in the challenges you're facing. They have to run. They have to flee because the light has come. Jesus is the light. Is that starting to make sense? See, before Jesus, there was darkness, but now there's life, light everlasting. It's important that we see it. The first thing that I want you to see today as you kind of walk through the doors. I can preach as hard as I can, um, get frothy mouth, you know, spit a little bit, get stirred up. And maybe some of you even clap a little like, hey, good job. I can, I can do all that. I can preach as hard as I can. And you can be like, yes, Jesus is the light. Yes, I'm in. But what happens sometimes is that we say that and we get all stirred up and we feel encouraged and inspired. And then we walk out of the door and we believe all that, but we don't actually experience the light in our darkness. It's just an idea. It's just something that we agree with. It's just a thought. It hasn't gotten to the place where it's penetrated my heart, where it now is being realized in every moment that I find myself in, every dark place that light is there. And so we walk out of the door and we don't experience this at Christmas. <laughs> and see, God wants you to experience light at Christmas. He wants you to understand that, that darkness has to flee. He wants you to receive and recognize and believe and become a child of God. And if you are a child of God, he wants you to embrace it. You're standing in your position and all of the benefits that come with it. That's what he wants for you. And so here's the action step I have for you today. As you leave, as you go off, as you, whatever you, wherever you're going today, that you'd write down this thought. My heart for you is that you would live in the light every day by decreasing darkness and increasing your experience of the light. Decreasing darkness and increasing your experience of the light. Does that make sense? In other words, there are categories in our life. There are categories that aren't so light. Maybe we even go as far, if we're honest, as dark. And then there are areas of our life that are light. And we look at them and we see them and we know them and the Holy Spirit's speaking to us about them. And so I just want you to see that contrast. And it's a very simple idea that I decrease the darkness and I increase the light. Well, see, it actually happens natural. If I increase the light, the darkness goes down. So in other words, if I would focus on the light and not the darkness, get this. A lot of times we focus on the darkness. If I just work harder, if I just do some behavioral modification, I'm going to get better. No, no, no. You focus on the light. That's where your power is. Focus on the relationship. That's where your power is. And begin to increase the light in your life and the darkness begins to dissipate. The darkness begins to decrease. And so here are the questions I want you to ask. What darkness needs to decrease in my life? Where do I need to increase the light? So when I walk into my office at home, 
of a morning, I, I have a, a light switch. You heard of these things? And I turn the light on. And what happens? The light comes on, right? Well, I've got a dimmer switch on the light as well. So it's a little bitty piece that if I move it up and down, it, it, it dims the light. And so there have been times I'll come in and I'll turn the light on and, and it won't come on or it'll be really dim. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, I, and I was, as I was thinking about it, what, I, what I've noticed sometimes is that we have the light in our lives. Like we're saved. We love God and he loves us. But we've turned down the light. We've dimmed it. And some of us right now at Christmas time, some of us right now in the seasons we've been through, we've dimmed that light. And we walk in and we can see, but we don't see very good. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just asking you, turn that dimmer up. Get the full experience of light. Get the full experience of Jesus right now in your situation. You run to him. You turn that light on and get everything you can. You ever looked at the sun with your eyeballs? <laughs> Don't do it. It burns. Jesus is exponentially more powerful than that. You understand? And so whatever situation you find yourself, it was the night before Christmas and it was dark. The light of the world has come. My hope for you is that you experience it, that you reach out and you grab hold of it and watch the darkness in your life go away. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the word that you give us. Lord, it's such a powerful thing to reflect and think on Jesus as the light. But it really doesn't matter much if it doesn't become true in our lives. And so, Lord, just for a few minutes together, I know that I know there's places we need to be and things we need to go and do. And, but let's just for a moment, will you pause with me? I think this is so important. My heart as your pastor is that you wouldn't go through this season without knowing the light, without experiencing the power of God's light through Jesus. Some of you have already recognized and received Jesus as your Savior. And so I want to pray for you today. If that's you, if you've said yes to the Lord, you know that if you died, you'd spend eternity with God. That's your story. But maybe you have failed to embrace the benefit of being a son or daughter of God in some situation. Maybe you just haven't looked for the light you haven't realized it you have, you've struggled to maybe you've been distracted disappointed hurt uh, unforgiveness whatever it is you just you just have been in a moment in a, in a bad place so to speak and you haven't embraced who you are i want to pray for you god i pray for any person in this room that has recognized and received you i pray in jesus name god that the the spirit of the lord would come upon them and that they would receive, experience, embrace their position as sons or daughters, children of God.
children of the light. And Lord, each day, each moment, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, repeat. Each moment that they'll embrace the light. And they'll live out of the light. And they will speak to the darkness. And that the darkness has to flee because Jesus is the light. God, would you make that true in their lives? Holy Spirit, would you fill them again? Now, there's also a group of people that may or may not have received Jesus. Maybe you've never received him. Maybe you've never even recognized him. And the good news for you today is that Jesus Christ was born in this manger. He brought light into the world for a reason, and and you're that reason. I'd love to be able to pray for you if you're in a place where you're like, you know, I I do want that relationship with him. I I don't really know all about it, but I I, I sense something in me to, to move towards it. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he'll come in and he'll save you and he'll begin to transform you. He'll give you the right to be called a child of God. And so if that's you, if you're like, yes, I I want that. I want to be able to pray for you. And so church, we're all going to pray together. I'd ask you to repeat these words. There's nothing magical about these words. They're just, they're really just words. But what I ask you to do is mean it. In faith, mean it. Just repeat these words. Heavenly Father. I recognize I don't have you in my life. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be my Lord. And so I surrender to you today. Lord, I'm so excited to be called a child of God. Help me to live in the light every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anybody that's making a decision today?